If I could uh, ask you to come back now. Well, that's, that's good, wasn't it? That worked. So that's great. Thank you. Um, so, if you don't know me, my name's Mark. I've got the privilege of speaking this morning. And I'm going to talk to you about our values, uh, genuine, thankful, generous and courageous. Just in case you wondered, um, I'm an engineer, if you didn't know, I didn't design the PowerPoint. Nathan did that. So, you know, kind of very kind of cool and arty. I'd love to say it was mine, but it, it isn't, just in case you didn't guess. Um, I'm going to be talking about being thankful today. Uh, bit, of a, bit of a spoiler, um, if you like. I think of all of the values, all of the things that we have, thankfulness is one of the things that really is a, it's a choice. You know, there are some things that are complicated. Should I speak to that person? Should I do this thing? There's always 101 reasons why, you know, it kind of might not be the right time or might not be the right thing. The thing about thankfulness is it's kind of, it's kind of a choice. <laughs> yeah? Uh, I'm going to be real about that. But uh, in, in many ways, preparing this is quite an easy thing. Uh, at one level, because we're not talking about great theology and great kind of complicated things like Calvin and all that stuff. We're talking about what am I going to do? What am I going to think? What am I going to say? So, um, uh, and we're going to talk about Mary. Uh, so, uh, and our verses are from a, a part of the Bible. It's called Mary's Song. I'm just going to read it to you. I'm not going to sing, so don't worry. Just going to read it. Um, Luke 1. 46 to 55. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servants. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to them who fear him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He's scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but he's lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but he sent the rich empty away. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Uh, <clears throat> so, just a couple of things to lead off. Um, Mary is... She's a representation, and I'm going to use some illustrations from her life, uh, but she's unique. Um, she had, if you can use a common parlance, she had a tough gig. She had a really, you know, she went through some things that were quite incredible, and I'm not saying these are things that you're going to go through, but we're going to learn some stuff about what she learned and how she responded um, to, that we think, that I think we can take into our lives. Um, and the second thing is, the Bible doesn't say much about Mary. It says this song, and then there's probably two other sentences that are quoted from what Mary said, and probably mentioned in four other places. So I'm going to tell you stories this morning about things that happened and try and get underneath it. Uh, but actually, a lot of what we see about Mary is the things that are said, the things that are said about her rather than what she said. <clears throat> so I'm going to look at... Um, Four areas, because I'm going to try and be good, uh, and I'm going to try and follow a structure. We're going to talk about thankfulness in a calling, thankful in real life, thankfulness in mind, thankfulness in relationship. Um, 
So we're going to kind of head off into uh, just this idea of thankfulness in calling. I know some of you, some of you have already gone right. He's got four, four things. So there's three things here. So that's 12 things he's going to talk about. Okay, it's not linear. Okay, it's not linear. For those of you who know, don't worry. <laughs> um, spontaneous song of joy. The thing that, when I read Mary's song, the thing that I got from it, it was, it was spontaneous. Something had happened that had caused her just to say, my soul magnifies God. There's something that I just want to praise God. I want to exalt God. I want to, I want to lift him up. I want to praise him. It was spontaneous and it came from the depths of her. And that's, that's kind of my point there. It's just rose up from within her. Something had happened that had said, I, I want to glorify. I want to glorify God. I want to praise God. So, so the question for us is why? I'm not one of those people who think that thankfulness is just be thankful because I say be thankful. Yeah? <laughs> it isn't quite like that. There's, what is it that made Mary kind of break out into song? And I think it is this sense of calling. I think something has happened here that has made her break out into song. And you can read that in Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 32. Um, so Mary is, she's a, a young girl, she's in the middle of nowhere in Judea, she's poor, um, and she's just doing her thing, and an angel comes to her, and the angel says this, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and called the son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. An angel has come to Mary and he's spoken to her and he has said something to her. Now Mary comes from the line of David. That means she's kind of directly linked to David the king. And she's a relationship with Elizabeth who's the mother of John the Baptist who goes through the the line of Aaron. So she's kind of got a link with the king and with the priest She's, she's probably knows a fair amount about the stories, about the kind of culture, the, the religion, if you like, of the Israelites. And she will understand that this promise is a great promise. It is the promise that they've been waiting for. It's the promise of what we would call the Messiah, the one who's going to come and is going to take this downtrodden nation and transform it into something which is glorious and amazing. She probably doesn't know how it's going to, what it's going to look like, but she knows that she's been called into something which is, which is amazing, something which is huge, something which is big. So the sense of joy, the sense of thanksgiving is the sense that I've been, I've been called. I've been called out and God has heard me. That's what I, when I, I read this passage again, I heard Mary saying, God has heard me. But it isn't just personal. It isn't just God is going to do great things for me. There was something about justice in it as well. There was something, God is going to be the God of justice. God is going to make the things that are wrong. He's going to make them right. There's this great thing that she's heard because God has spoken to her. And she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. There was a reason for thankfulness. And that reason is to do with the sense of calling. It's to do with the sense of, I've heard the voice of God. 
in my life. I've heard something that's drawn me out of the mediocre, the small, the narrow, the grinding thing, and, and God, has, God has got hold of me. Um, <clears throat> God lifts up the humble. We know that Mary was poor. In, if you go back in the Old Testament, there was a, a provision, a sacrifice that was to be made when a, uh, when a child was born that the mother and the father would go and they'd offer up a sacrifice in the temple. It should have been a lamb. But it actually says, those that are really poor, they can offer up two pigeons. They should actually offer up a lamb and a pigeon. But if you're poor, you offer up two pigeons. Joseph and Mary, when they offered up that kind of offering... For the birth of Jesus, they offered up two pigeons. They were so poor, they couldn't afford a lamb. They were, they were people from nowhere. But there's a kind of God thing about this. I mean, when God spoke to Moses, you know, that great man who delivered the nation of Israel, he brought them out of Egypt, and he brought them into being a nation. Where was he? He was looking after sheep in the wilderness. Where was the great King David when... The word came to him from the prophet. He was looking after sheep in the wilderness. Where was Gideon when he was basically, he was going to be called to become a leader of Israel? Where was he? He was hiding, grinding corn. What was Elisha doing? He was plowing. Do you get the message? There's something about God that God loves to take the things that are not, that are not important, that are nowhere, that have no great significance and say, I want you to do something. I want you to come out from that and I want you to hear my voice and I want you to, to go and do something. There's something that God loves to lift up the humble. And I hear in that song of Moses, that recognition from Mary, that God has heard me. And and I suppose, to me, that's one of the, that is the root of thankfulness. It is the sense that God has heard you. That every one of us in this room today, there's a, there is a call of God that says, I want you. I, you are brought with a price. You are, you are part of my purpose. It is the thing for me that underlines everything that's in the gospel. There's a lot of things I don't get, but I get this, that God loves us and he has purpose and a calling for every one of us and that's the root of thankfulness it is that I'm called by God I've got purpose I've got reason I'm not arbitrary I'm not random I'm not some coincidence I'm not an accident isn't that tragic you know where people say oh you know that person was an accident there are no accidents we have value and we have purpose in the sight of God and God loves to lift up the humble um but thankfulness in real life. Mary had a tough gig. Let's, let's be real about this. Um, she's rejoiced in what the angel has said to her. And her response to the angel was, let it be according to your word. I wonder if we think about what she's actually saying. What she is saying is, I'm willing to be a young, unmarried woman in the middle of a society which has strict moral codes, which absolutely abhors adultery and things like that. If you don't believe me, you can read your Bible. Read in John chapter 8, Jesus is there and a woman is about to be stoned to death because she's committed adultery. The woman at the well, she came to see Jesus in the middle of the day in the heat of the sun. 
Why? Because probably she's an outcast because she's got many husbands. Mary was embracing something which, which could have been fatal. Bit of an exaggeration thing, I don't know. But she was absolutely embracing something that would make her that would make her rubbish in the sight of people around her. Even Joseph, until the angel came to him, Joseph was going to put her away quietly. And her response was, be it according to your word. She embraced what God had said, and she, she took it on herself. Um, <clears throat> and she was fruitful. Um, triumph and tragedy... Um, <clears throat> Actually, if I did this, I'd put it the other way around. It was tragedy first. Let me just read you um, John 19, verse 25, um, just to give you a little bit of context. It's really helpful if I keep up with my notes, isn't it? It's useful. Um, Jesus is dying on the cross. He's hanging on the cross. It's dark. It's, it's the most hideous form of execution you can imagine. And it said in John 19, verse 25, uh, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. Let's just kind of go with that for a minute. Let's go with the idea that there is a woman who is watching her son die. She's there watching it. And it's not a quick death. She's standing watching him die. And she's not only doing that, she's watching her hope in God die because she was told that she was going to bring in the ruler, the king of Israel, and he was going to come and she was going to bring him into being. And she's watching a man die who isn't just her son, but she's her promise. She's her hope. She's everything that she was rejoicing about. What's the next time that I hear about Mary? John, sorry, Acts 1, verse 14, I think it is. The disciples are in Jerusalem and they've been told that they are to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And they're there. They're gathering together and all the disciples are named. And one other person, one other person apart from the disciples, who is it? It's Mary. I don't think that's coincidental. You know that she's watched her hope die but she's still there she's absolutely still there in Jerusalem she is holding on to that hope that she has been waiting for she's expecting that the spirit of God is going to come man if that isn't a test for thankfulness <laughs> if that isn't a test you know she's made this a credit God has called me God has lifted me up God has brought me up but boy did she go through some things <laughs> and she's still there um, you know, one of the things in the Protestant church, we're probably a little bit afraid of recognising Mary because we're a bit worried about not getting into kind of Maryology and, and doing what, unfortunately, you know, the Catholic Church do. They make Mary as something more than a woman. And we're a bit worried about that, that we go to, it's okay. Mary was an, an amazing testimony to, as a human being, as to, as to the grace of God working in her. It's okay. We can, we can respect that, okay? We don't need to worry about getting into Mariology, uh, whatever that is. Um, so what else 
can I learn? What can I get from Mary that's going to help me rather than just put her on a pedestal and say, wow, that's amazing. What can I learn that, that I might be able to take away from this morning? Because I am actually trying to help, uh, believe it or not. Um, so there's a couple of things that, are, that are kind of we can learn from. So we're going to look at Luke, 19, Luke 2 verse 19, and I'm going to tell you the story because I said I'm going to tell you stories. So at the birth of Jesus... Mary has had this vision, or this, she's met the angel, she's, she's heard the word, Joseph has embraced, embraced her, embraced what's happening, she's about to have the child, and then the census comes up. They've got to go to Jerusalem, so they've got to get 90 miles, she's heavily pregnant, and eventually they arrive in Jerusalem, and they, there's no room in the inn, you know that, and they're in a stable, and it's filthy, and it's, well it is because stables are. That's kind of how it is, you know. Uh, I don't think Ikea do stables. They are, you know, it's not a place to bring forth your first child. And then when she's there, a whole load of shepherds burst in and start talking about, well, we're up on the hillside and the angels came and the angels told us about this amazing thing is going to happen and and the the, the Son of God is going to be born and and you've just given birth to a child. (laughs) What does, what does Mary do? What is her response? I'm being a bit flippant here. She doesn't go on Facebook and say, I've had a dreadful day. She doesn't go on and say, oh, can you believe it? I've walked all of this distance and this has happened and this has happened, isn't it? It says she treasured up in her heart what had happened. That, the thing that's recorded about Mary, and I'm not underestimating what she went through, is that she treasured up what was going on. She, she was looking, if you like, for, for God, the God moment. She was looking for that thing that she could hold to and say, God is in this. That's what she treasured up. Not the difficulty, not the pain, not the mess. She treasured it up. Um, <clears throat> and there's a similar example in, in, uh, in verse 51. So what we understand is that... Uh, after Joseph and Mary have been gone into exile for two years, you know, that's pretty tough as well. They've had to run away for fear of their life, life or the life of Jesus. They go away, then they come back um, to Nazareth. And we understand that every year they go to the temple for the Passover. And you can imagine, as a community, they all get together, community thing. They go off every year to the temple for a week, come back home. And one year... When Jesus is 12, they do the same thing. They go to Jerusalem as a group of people from the town and they come back. And then after a day, there's a problem. Where's Jesus? Well, he's, he's somewhere. He's going to be around somewhere, isn't he? And they look for him and then they realise he's not there. Um, you know, we joke, well, I don't think we've ever left our kids anywhere. Uh, but, you know, you can kind of joke about it. Can you imagine what that feels like? You know, we've lost, <laughs> we've lost our son. And Mary's actually thinking, not only our son, but the son. And they go back to the temple in three days. It takes them three days to find him. I guess that's three days from when they left. And Jesus is in the temple, and he's just kind of talking. And he's being queried, and they're answering questions of the scribes. And they're amazed at his wisdom. And, G- and Mary comes to him and says... But our, my, your father and I, we've been looking anxiously for you. 
Where have you been? And, and Jesus just says, can you hear the, the bit of the gentle rebuke in this? He says, didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? Well, actually, Jesus, I didn't. <laughs> you know, actually, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know that. I mean, we, we, we're looking at this with the benefit of hindsight, but ouch. <laughs> um, what did Mary do? Did she, did it, you know, did she oh, kids, you know, outrageous? No, she treasured it up in her heart. Why? Because I think because she knows that at some point, Jesus the boy is going to become Jesus the man. 12 years, a year before Bar Mitzvah. She doesn't know whether at 13 years old, Jesus is going to go and do something, whether he's going to become the king. She only has a promise. She's holding in her heart something that God has told her. Um, I'm talking about thankfulness, but what I'm talking about here are the challenges to it and the way that we respond to it and that this is a, a woman who we, we believe, we understand, is kind of rooted in thankfulness. But she has plenty of challenges. Um, <clears throat> and I'm going to just... Um, and this one is... This one's quite... I've called this confusion of concern. So there's an incident that happens. Again, I'm telling you a story of Mary um, uh, about when Mary seeks to kind of intervene in Jesus' life and, and, and direct him when he's a man. It only happens twice. It happens at the wedding in Cana when, Jesus, when Mary in all her wisdom says to the, uh, the servant, said, whatever he says, do it. But there's another incident in Mark chapter 3 where um, Jesus, if, if you like, um, Jesus has started its, his ministry and it's really all kicking off. Jesus has uh, he's healed someone on the Sabbath. He's cast out demons and everybody's talking about what's going on. The leaders are coming back from Jerusalem to find out what's going on. Jesus and his disciples barely have time to eat. And word gets back to Nazareth that Jesus has kind of gone off the rails a bit. That's kind of what it says is they think he's, he's losing his mind. And you have this incident at the end of the chapter where Jesus is in a room and he's talking to the people, he's guests doing what he does, he's preaching, he's speaking, probably healing, and there's a knock on the door. And someone goes to do it and they come up to Jesus and say, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside the door. They obviously want to talk to him. They want to bring him in line. They want to kind of, come on, Jesus, calm down. What's going on? Bring it back, bring it back, calm down. It's not the right time. And Jesus just says, just says, these are my mother and my brothers, those who hear the word of God and do it. I'm quoted that right, but ouch. Can you imagine that? Jesus has moved on. Mary is saying, but I'm your, I'm your mother. You need to... You need to listen to me. And Jesus said, actually, we've moved on. <laughs> You're all my brother and my mother's. Um, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? How many times do we get petulant with God because he doesn't do what we want him to do? He doesn't, he, he doesn't act the way we want him to act. He does something which is beyond what we think. And, we, and we're like, well, God, why have you done that? What, 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 why, why have you done that? 
That's where Mary was. She, she was expecting Jesus to do certain things. She was expecting her to respond to him in a certain way. And he actually said, this is bigger now. <laughs> You're all, I, th- this is my family. It's not just this family. You're still in it, Mary, but it's this family. It's, it is absolutely everyone. Um, the confusion of concern. You know, sometimes we try and protect what God wants. We try and say, well, that's not good or this shouldn't happen. God is God. <laughs> sometimes God doesn't do what we want him to do because he's God. He knows if you knew what God, if you knew everything that should be done, you'd have to be God, wouldn't you? Sometimes God does things that we don't know uh, or understand. Um, I, I suppose I want to make this live a little bit. Just want to give you, uh, I'm stepping out a bit. I want to give you my story. <laughs> um, and the trouble is with giving a story is that you become vulnerable. It's very easy to talk about Mary because I don't identify with that. But um, I, uh, I just want to give you, because I think it will help and if it doesn't, ignore it. But um, I've got a bit of a story about thankfulness. Um, I, I guess I've been a Christian for about 25 years, and I was kind of brought up with this idea that you, you choose, you, you seek to understand what God wants you to do, and then you do it. And sometimes it kind of goes okay, and sometimes it doesn't, but you just do it. That's how you live. And, and I've done some kind of interesting, stroke mad things. When I was about 25, three of us walked down from Wigan, down the A6, carrying a cross at Easter all the way to London, you know, doing an outreach. I did that. I spent many weeks, um, a week here, a week there in Africa, preaching. Um, I got more involved in leading churches. But I had it all based on this simple thing, that you do what God tells you to do, and you don't worry about the consequences, because in the end, it will come right. And that all worked until a point where, actually, it didn't. I took a decision that was really quite costly to me. Costly, not in money terms particularly, because actually God isn't that interested in money. God's interested in our hearts. Uh, Money gets in the way. It was about costly in terms of how I valued things and the things that I've invested my life in. And I took a decision to prevent something happening. And, And having made that decision... I found to my horror sometime later that the thing I'd sought to prevent happened anyway. It just happened. And it was kind of worse than I ever thought it would have been. And, and because of that, it was like, so, so what happened there? Where, where, what, how, did I, how did that work for me? It felt like, you remember the story about the alabaster uh, box of perfume that uh, someone broke at Jesus' feet as anointing for his burial. And people said, oh, you shouldn't do that, it's a waste. It felt like I'd done that, but I'd missed. <laughs> you know, it felt like I'd broken the box of perfume. And it just it missed Jesus' feet, and it just gone through the floor. And it's like, what? But, but I've just poured that out. I've poured all that out for nothing. Um, and why am I telling you this? Because, because if you had asked me at that point, in that dark place, to say, are you thankful? I would have probably giving you some theology. (laughs) I I mean that in a nice way. I may not have answered your question, but the answer was no. Because I couldn't be thankful if someone kicks the foundation away. I couldn't be thankful. But you come through those things and you realise that I've 
and just this isn't the word of God. This is just Mark sharing something that I've realised. There's, there's probably three kind of really tough things that I've gone through in my life. We, we had a stillborn child, I had cancer, and this thing. And in each one of those, I realised what I was trying to do was I was trying to go back afterward, trying to, after those things, I was trying to go back and rebuild the life I had before. I was trying to find a way of restoring what I had before so that I could kind of be thankful and say it's okay. And I realised, and I probably realised it most profoundly in the sense that I told you, is that there came a point where I was grateful for who I was. Do you see that? I was just grateful for who I was. Not, sorry, I say, when I mean that, I mean in the present tense. I'm grateful for who I am today. I'm not trying to be the person I was. Circumstances have changed me. They've ta- but I'm just grateful for where I am today and the things that I've got and the things that I've been given. The journey that I've gone on to get there is, is kind of irrelevant. Can, can you see the, the difference between it? If you ask me, am I thankful for all of the painful things? I'm not sure I can be thankful for the painful things, but I can be thankful that at some degree, in my Tim Pot way, I'm being transformed into something. I'm being transformed through the stuff I go through, into something which is, I trust, more pleasing, more aligning to what God wants. That's what we sung earlier. You probably, maybe you've forgotten that. We talked about being transformed by trouble. So thankfulness is not, I don't, when we talk about thankfulness, I'm not being naive. I'm not saying stuff has really gone wrong, be thankful. What I'm saying is, and this is where I'm closing out in my final slide, is uh, In fact, I could even say what's on my final slide, couldn't I? Thankfulness is beyond events. I'm not necessarily thankful for the things that have happened that have hurt. My thankfulness is rooted a bit deeper than that. It's actually, I've got a purpose and a calling. And God has still called me out. I don't necessarily understand what's going on, my third point. I'm not always certain about why things happen the way they happen. But I can still be grateful. I can still be thankful. Back to my second point. The thing I realized about Mary was Mary was, she was courageous. We talk about thankful, but boy, she was courageous as well. She embraced, jumping around, that's my third point, fourth point. uh, She embraced a calling. um, And that required real courage. That required something that says, I'm going to go through with this. Um, And backing, God, this is dreadful, jumping around. My final point, embracing our calling. I think there's something about thankfulness that says, before God today, and this I believe is the gospel, actually, however I've got to where I've got to, um, God cares for me, God loves me, I'm being transformed by this journey of life into something which is better, and, and I'm going to embrace that. I'm not going to try and be the man I was before I had cancer or before this happened in my life or before that happened in my life. I'm actually going to live today in what I've been given today and I'm going to discover God in that today and I'm going to be thankful for it. Um, And I guess I could be a bit naughty and I could say, you might not have liked anything I've said today and it may have gone over your head, but actually it's tough because when you read Hebrews, it says this. It says, let us be thankful. (laughs) I'm not being too flippant. 
Actually, there's a call in the Bible for us to be thankful. I've tried to summarize how Mary, I think, was a person whose thankfulness was deeply rooted, but it was really tested. But she went through it. Um, And we can discover some helpful things in it about how we think about things, how we take on board the things that happen. And rather than see them as being threats to us, we can embrace them as being, so what is happening here? Um, And we do need to learn to stop chuntering. (laughs) You know, do you know what I mean by chuntering? Uh, we're, We're far too nice to kind of get angry about things. But we just chunter. We just say, well, it shouldn't be like this. It shouldn't be like this. And if only they did this. And if only they did that, it would be a whole lot better. There is a point where thankfulness has to come beyond that and say, whatever. <laughs> you know, as, as Mary could have done on the two illustrations, she could have focused on the things that are going on around or she could have said, as she did, I'm going to treasure these things. Um, I'm going to pray. Uh, and then I'm going to ask Pete if the band will come and give us a, uh, just one song to close. So I'm just going to um, commend ourselves to God. I'm more than happy if you have uh, questions uh, or you want to pray afterwards uh, with John, uh, Nathan, Sean, myself. Uh, but let's just, let's just pray. Uh, Father, thank you for the, uh, the story of a woman who, was, who embraced the calling who was lifted out of a place that was narrow and small into a place of immensity, but she, she paid a price for it. Um, but we learn from her that there's, there's something big in this. Lord, help us to be big people. Give us the grace to be people that are, are big in our hearts and in our understanding, big in thankfulness, big in courage, big in, in embracing. And we just thank you, God, for your love and kindness to us. Thank you that we're, every one of us in this room are valued. Every one of us in this room have a sense of calling. Every one of us in this room have this great hope if we would lay hold of it. Lord, we're thankful this morning and we lift our hearts in praise to you. Amen.